morning. I was going to apologise for being a bit emotional, but I won't. <laughs> because it's just the way it is. He lost me and I don't know why he lost me. But he lost me. Jesus lost me. And I don't know why he lost me, but he lost me. And on my worst day, and on my te most terrible sin, he loves me. And I don't know why he loves me. But he does love me. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And I think as men and as women, we need to be a wee bit emotional about that. But he really loves us. But you know, he doesn't want to leave us that way. He doesn't want to leave us just discovering his love for the first time. He wants to go deeper and help us to love him more. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians, I pray this, that you may um, know the love of Christ. Not that they didn't already know it, but he's praying, I want you to love him more. And I want you to know how much, actually it's other way around, that he wants us to know how much he loves us more. And I think as a Christian over the years, the sense of God loving me is going deeper. Has anyone experienced that? Do you feel as if the Lord loves you more today than he did, than he did when you were first saved? Who, believes, who, who feels that way? I, I personally do. I understood it to a certain extent when I was seven years old and I knew Jesus loved me and I sang the choruses and I felt his love, but I feel it deeper now today and I think it's because I've messed up a few times more. And I've still found he loves me. <laughs> and my heart breaks for those that don't know Jesus' love. And one of the things that makes me get emotional is one, that he loves me. But then the second part is, do you know that he loves you? That makes me emotional. Because we can walk in and out of a church service and still not really know that God loves you. And you still haven't responded in your heart. You can sing the songs. But you don't feel God loves me. Do you know what I mean? You think I've went one too many sins. No, you haven't. That's a lie. Because he loved us first. And he continues to love us first. Jesus wants us to become what we believe. And what do we believe? For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, that's us, you know, if you believe in Jesus, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life or eternal life. For God didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. 
You might say this world is condemned, 100% correct, according to the scriptures, condemned in its sin. You and I are condemned in our sin. But when Jesus, our perfect saviour, rescues us from that, in God's love, we're no longer condemned because of Christ Jesus' death and resurrection for us. He paid the price we could not pay. Out of his love, it was his love that drove Jesus to the cross. It was the love that sent the Son. It was his love that sent, drove Jesus to the cross. And to cruel nail surrendered, as Graham Kendrick said, against him, the servant king. His love drove him. So if there's one thing God wants you to know today is he loves you just because he loves you. Don't go to that door and think differently, please. So the question is, what are we going to do in response to that? If we believe God loves us, and we believe he sent his son to die and pay the price for us, and we believe if we trust in him, we will be forgiven our sins and given new life, are we going to now become what we believe? Because that's not just a promise for when you die one day. In this life, when you go to heaven, and then you receive a reward, which is probably true. But sometimes we miss the whole point right here. Jesus came that you may have life. Now, today, 3rd of April 2022, 4th of April 2022, according to God's plan, he gives us that day. Isn't that true? So let's not just sit and believe the message. Let's embrace what Jesus actually wanted to do as well as save us. He wanted to equip us and send us out. So my topic today is become what you believe. I'm just going to pray and then we'll move on to the scripture. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your will would be done regarding this message. Father, I just surrender to your word and I surrender to you, Holy Spirit. And I just ask that as the name of Jesus is lifted up here, that you'd be pleased to speak what you want to say, Father. In Jesus' name, let every other word disappear because it's of utmost importance that people find Jesus as their personal saviour. It's of utmost importance that we experience the life that you want us to have today and the next day. So we pray that may be true of our wee group here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone okay? You all okay? Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, we had the privilege of having a special prayer meeting with the Church of Scotland, the parish church in Moodysburg, and ourselves. And I gave various readings to people to read, um, both from the, the parish church and also from our own church. And Cathy Wood had this passage from Matthew chapter 9. And it was wonderful, Cathy, and I haven't had the chance to speak to Cathy, but you're going to hear some of what I've just been meditating on since she shared that night in this, in this message today, because I felt it was inspired. I felt it was God-inspired. And first of all, we're going to read it from, if, my, if the <laughs> presentation's still there, we're going to read it from the NIV, and then we're going to read it from the message, which is where Cathy read it. And I just want to pick out a few things as we start this to just sort of... See what God would say to us today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
I'll just stop there for a second. So Jesus went out, didn't he? Out. Didn't invite people necessarily to come in somewhere. He went out to where the people were in the towns and the villages. He was teaching in their meeting places, which was places that were religious people, uh, Jewish people that were in the synagogue. So where did Jesus go to speak to the people? Out and into their meeting places. Proclaiming the good news. Bringing miraculous healing. But I want you to catch this part. This shows you the love and compassion of God. Verse 36. Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. Could we say he got a bit emotional? Because he looked out and he saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was preaching from Psalm 23. Psalm that's been really rich for a lot of us and has been to me this last wee while as we've been through difficult times. And it's a it's an everyday passage. I was I was speaking that week about knowing Jesus every day, not just knowing Jesus one day when you die, or as your saviour and then waiting until then. And knowing him as your shepherd every day. So isn't the shepherd good? He goes out and he looks for the parable the lost sheep. And Jesus modelled that and he went out and he had compassion. You don't have a shepherd. But Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So when you're with God the shepherd, when you're, when you're in his fold, you lack nothing. But when you're not in his fold, you lack everything. You don't have peace. You don't have real joy. You don't have real security. You're stuck in your sin, aren't you? But when Jesus comes in, everything changes. Compassion on them. Verse 37. I think we've got that up now. Hopefully, yeah. Then he said to his disciples, so he went to this small group of disciples that he had, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's a fair enough statement, is it not? Because he had the uh, he had the 12 disciples, not a large number. And he looked to those small numbers of disciples, and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12 were sent out. Now what I want you to see there is Jesus' authority was passed to his disciples. And he said, go and do what I'm doing. They weren't God, but they were commissioned by God. Is that true? They were commissioned by God. They weren't God. But they were commissioned with the authority of God and the authority that was given to Jesus to go. That's the difference. That's the difference. And again, out. Go, sent out into the harvest field. With authority. Miracles, healing. Jesus, the twelve, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Again, it's that point, isn't it? 
You have authority because you're with me, Jesus says. Because you're following me, I have authority and I'm deciding to commission you with that same authority. If you go in my name, you will see these amazing, miraculous deliverances happen. You're ordinary men, but with me, I'll do extraordinary things through ordinary men. That's true, isn't it? Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, or extra shirt or sandals or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Interesting. The strategy was don't take anything with you. You're thinking if you're going to go on a mission for Jesus, you're going to pack your bags, aren't you? You're going to pack plenty of equipment. You're going to get lots of stuff with you. You're going to plan ahead, aren't you? Because we're going against, well, dear knows what's going to happen. We're going to need get supplies for the journey. To the contrary, Jesus says, take nothing. No bag or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave again. I'm just challenged by this and this comes out of what Kathy said and it's straight from scripture but it, God's really been just reinforcing this to me. Sometimes God just kind of says, did you not remember what I said the first time? <laughs> you know what I mean? You can read scripture so many times. How many people has prayed a million times, Lord, send people into the harvest field, right? Like, this message is going to show you how straightforward the answer to that prayer is going to be. We'll get to it in a minute, right? Oh, the harvest is plentiful. What's the strategy, Lord? And then we read the book and we see what he said before and what he's saying to us today. So they were sent out they were sent even into people's homes and it was said there if you if the home is is welcoming i would say welcoming is probably the what is meant here so you know how sometimes if you for those like john leach i'm sure you've done tracks before right it's a habit we've got out of the way of doing i think but you would chat doors and there'd be houses you wouldn't get a welcome in you'd get a no answer at the door and you'd get an angry person going go away bang <laughs> and then you'd maybe get a door where somebody's wanting to talk to you right it's that kind of simple premise of if you get into a village and where are you going to go? You're going to go and meet people. You're, you're there to tell them about Jesus. They go to their house, right? It's a practice. People don't like that nowadays, don't they? Not. If you do that in Middlesbrough, you'll be causing a riot because <laughs> everybody's got a sign up on the door. Don't come. Unsolicited people don't come to my door. But it's interesting. Just simple things. Go to the house. If they welcome you, fine. If they don't, move on. So what I, what I want to say is this is maybe a lot more simple than we think it is. Do we sometimes complicate the commission that God has said to us? He says, become what you believe. You believe in me. Jesus said to his disciples, you believe in what I'm doing. Well, you go and do the same. Not in your name, but in my name. You've seen me model what to do. I've, I've walked around the towns and the villages. I've had compassion on the sheep with no shepherd. I've used my name and authority with my father to drive out demons and heal the sick and Proclaim the kingdom and see God's salvation be established. You can do the same because of me. True. It's authority. So Jesus is not in the business of being a dictator who is a one-man band. And I'm saying that reverently and you know my heart. This is multiplication. This is. This is Jesus saying the kingdom's about multiplication. How are we going to reach the thousands of people in Moody's Burn if there's only one person? speaking 
It'll be rather difficult, won't it? It'll take us quite a while, and I think we're going to struggle to establish relationships with everybody, aren't we? But God's decided to commission people to multiply and to be able to reach the many. But he starts with a few. A motley crew. Who feels like a motley crew? Me. I'll put my hand up. These were a motley crew. These were untrained, unschooled, ordinary men and women, mainly. Not, not, not qualified in the world's eyes. This is what Cathy read, and I, I have listened back to it a number of times because it, it really hit me with this message version. And it does keep, obviously, the, the essence of what we just read in the NIV, but something just awoke in me when Cathy was reading it. It was just like almost like a, an exhortation from the Lord. It says there, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. And I'm thinking about, as Cathy's reading this, we're obviously praying for Moody's Burn, right? In Ludgate. He made a circuit. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. And I thought, the people in Moody's Burn are like that. We meet them every day. I met some people this morning. Outside, bruised and hurt lives. When he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands <laughs> or harvest helpers, right? The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the right fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. That bit made me laugh, Cathy. <laughs> and I thought back to the times we started the mission here, and you're thinking, how are we going to fund a building or, a, or, you know, all those things, right? Don't think you have to have a fundraising campaign <laughs> before you start, before you go. We met in a community centre. No money in the church bank, you know? But God called us to go. Just get in there and get started. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. <laughs> Travel light. So I just thought that was so good because church can seem awfully complicated these days, can't it? Churches tend to bother about two things in the UK. And I'm generalising and I'm not judging. But we became obsessed by how many people come to sit in our seats. Church attendance, one. And two, finances. So your church is measured successfully by how many bums on seats on a Sunday you have. And how much money you've got in the bank. But I don't think the kingdom's measured that way. Okay? Because you can be keeping a fish tank of Christians. And I'm, again, generalizing. 
or you could be reaching the lost right here in your neighborhood there's people drive all and there's nothing wrong with that god should call you and god's called all of you to this church praise the lord so don't misread me here but there's people going to where things are dramatic yeah people going to where there's a show on and not necessarily going to where god has called them to be and interestingly if you're here i know you've got a heart for Middlesbrough, don't you i'm looking around the room just now you do right and it's important you do and you've also got a heart for where you are in your own neighborhood and god cares about both areas it was interesting what liz was saying you sang i think you had a sign for Moody'sburn, but then you said where you live right but that's the same thing the important thing is your heart right you're not into just doing church an event you're into caring about the lost in your own neighborhood whether that's here or whether that happens to be where you live it's both isn't it well done Liz <laughs> I think it's exciting it really is um, and you think I'm not equipped who's ever thought to yourself I am not equipped to go and speak to people about Jesus now let's be honest when have you thought you're not equipped right anybody I'm not qualified I'm not equipped I don't maybe have the words to say do you know I'm being honest here I'm being hopefully a wee pastoral chat here because we all kind of feel as if we can't do it but you can do it if you know Jesus as your personal saviour you've got the answer to the people and you're simply just this little light of mine you know don't put yourself under pressure thinking you need to be a, a great preacher or this and that and this right it's not about that do you agree with me and for this harvest that's going to come in in our neighborhood in moody's and in your neighborhood god needs all of us active okay all of us needs to be active but don't think about that as i have to run a mission or i have to run an event or i have to create a ministry you know because we can tie ourselves in knots with ministries can we anyone agree a ministry for this a ministry for that and it's all well intended you know it's all really well and we've done it it's all well intended but see before lockdown we were all stressed out in here <laughs> we were stressed somebody told me i think it was john leach told me there was 14 ministries running in the church we're a well-intended loving church but we were a wee bit burnt out and stressed out and i remember talking i'm sorry kathy for mentioning this again but god spoke to me through it just before lockdown there was a couple of things happening we were a bit stressed out in the coffee house and things weren't we and kathy spoke to me in the kitchen at the coffee house and she says graham i've been praying about this and i really believe god's told me he's about to take over now he's just going to take over and that was like i think it was january or february kathy i think it was just in the 2020 january february time and kathy said a very specific word to me that god had said to her in prayer that god's going to take over everything that's, that would concern us in this place in this church in this ministry in the coffee house and everything and then lockdown happened you know and guess what we got a time to rest wasn't it as it as the preacher i think last week said or the week before one of us listening to recently said it wasn't a rest for everybody some people were made redundant some people got additional stress added in so i don't think it's a blanket statement to say lockdown was a rest <laughs> for some people it was a stress but one thing that god did give a rest to was ministry for a time and remember kenny borthwick spoke to us and he said new beginnings church can i challenge you he spoke to us over zoom early on in lockdown he says everyone's praying for this pandemic to end 
What I'm telling you to do is not necessarily do that, not that that's wrong, but God has chosen to allow a sabbatical for the church. He's shut down the minute. He's allowed it to happen, right? He's allowed it to happen. We're still meeting in some way, but all the things we were doing have been kind of enforced. And what Kenny said was, now's the time to pray. Take on board that time of setting apart. That's what sabbatical means. It's like stopping or if a, if a minister takes a sabbatical, what does he do? He takes a month out or something, a full-time worker, and goes away and doesn't do ministry for a month and tries to pray, get back in, recharge the batteries and not be burnt out. So I, I think God graciously helped us with that. And maybe other churches, those that were listening to him. But then Kenny said the second thing, Kenny Borthwick, he says, and can I also say to you, see when this restrictions eventually opens up again and you're allowed to do ministry again, can I encourage you as a church to keep praying and keeping asking God what he would have you do and not just go and restart all of the ministries and all of the things you did previously in all the same ways that you used to do. That's quite a freeing thing, isn't it? Because, let's be honest, you can be stressed out just with the things that you're running. And I, I point us all to this passage here. Travel light. Travel light. You are the equipment. And also the second part, I believe, is from Scripture, but I believe the Lord's impressing me on right now, is it's about all of us as people out cheering about Jesus now and I think it's as simple as that but there's different wee aspects to it uh, to do with, which we'll get into in a wee, wee second um, but I think it's a blessing in many ways for us to have had time to rethink stop and rethink ministry and then can I encourage you all to keep praying about that because it does not mean that God doesn't want us to do a men's night, it's being blessed the men's night is being blessed but well, we prayed about it first and then we restarted it. And we've changed things a wee bit. We're travelling a wee bit lighter than we did before. The coffee house is travelling a wee bit lighter than it was before, isn't it, Kathy and Nicola? A wee bit, wee bit lighter. One day off a week. <laughs> it's not five days a week, it's four by now. It's operating ten o'clock to two instead of what it was before. Nine till four, now it's ten till two. Right? We're travelling a wee bit lighter. But we've got a wee bit more time and energy to speak to the people coming in who desperately need to have a friend. Right? It's a wee bit more simplified. But it's good. I'm really hoping you agree with me. <laughs> right now. Because I believe it is good. Right? So, I met a man uh, I was going to put a blank. Maybe I should have put a blank to stop that just now. But, um, I met a man from Glasgow City Church uh, recently, uh, a week on Friday. His name's Stephen Anderson, and Alan McBride, who is a dear brother of ours, friend, friend of ours, recommended Stephen to me. He recommended a couple of guys. One of the guys is Alistair Matheson, who's the pastor of Glasgow City uh, Church. And I've asked Alistair to come and preach in May, and he's going to come on a Sunday morning, which is a big thing for him to do because he runs his own church. He's a lovely man. I've met with him a couple of times. Alistair, uh, Alan thinks a lot of him, and he's a he's a servant leader. He's he cares about churches across, regardless of denominations, and he he's part of establishing an, a growing network of pastors' prayer. And the other day there, they had a hundred churches on the on a on a Zoom call at seven o'clock in the morning, 
all over Scotland. This thing's exploding. He's a lovely, out-of-the-earth guy. I think you'll like him. I'm just telling you about him. He's coming. <laughs> Alistair Matheson. Uh, just a humble, wants to see the churches grow in the harvest field. And this guy, Stephen Anderson, is one of his helpers. And he, he's on the team, him and his wife, Stephen and his wife. And they've been involved in the past in prayer ministry and healing room ministry and various things. But their heart is about equipping people for the harvest field. And they've even written a book around it and things like that. So Stephen's heart is to try and help small group, groups of people from churches understand their calling. And he's very much in line with what I'm speaking about today. So I, so Cathy had spoke this on the Sunday night. Then I met this guy. It was already arranged to meet this guy for a couple of weeks. I met him on the Friday. And I'd been thinking about what Cathy had been saying. And what the Lord had been saying to me about this. What I'm speaking about today. Travel light. You don't need a lot of equipment. You know. Um, you have to go out. And then I meet this guy on Friday. And basically Cathy. He basically. His heart was all around exactly this. And he was basically saying all the same things. And I says, you'll never believe seeing Sunday night. Cathy, one of the founders of this place, and had the vision for the cockroach, she was just saying, and she read from the message, so I shared it with him, Cathy. And um, we had a wonderful chat. We came in here, we prayed, and it was all in line with everything I've just said today, and reflecting on the thoughts about all of this. And he, by the way, he said, this is really good. And I think this is the kind of model that God's going to be pleased to use, because... You're doing the simple things right, even your coffee house and things like that. It's about building on top of that. But anyway, he was driving home in the car, and there was a car in front of him with a registration plate that said LK10TWO. And Stephen's in the car driving home, and this car's staying in front of him, and he's thinking, Is that a private plate? Surely nobody's got Luke 10 2 <laughs> on their car. And he says, Of course, I know exactly what Luke 10 2 says. And it's on the screen now. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, <laughs> but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And do you know that man, Stephen Anderson, has been praying, also involved in the Glasgow City Prayer for a long, we're talking years and years. He's a Baptist minister from his past. He went into kind of city-wide kind of prayer ministry and stuff like that. Seems a very humble, good reputation, right? Last week in the church at Glasgow City, guess what Stephen preached about? Resetting for the harvest. And he mentioned coming back from here and in the car, God showing him LK10TWO. <laughs> now that heart that he's been praying into this and he's been praying similar to what Kenny was saying, he had a word about reset for the harvest. It was rest rest and reset rest was first and reset was second so again i was sharing with him what kenny had told us and what we as a church were trying to model in terms of trying not to stress ourselves out coming out of the lockdown and it turns out a way back in 2020 there's a sermon in glasgow city church by stephen anderson where he's saying rest allow this sabbatical time for god to speak to you and it's going to be a time of reset where God's going to help us to relaunch in a different way so that we can be more effective in the harvest field. Encouraging that, isn't it? I think it's good for us as a, as a church to look to connect with people who have a, you know, they're, they're not perfect like any of us, but they've got a good track record in prayer. 
prayer is key to all of this thing. And whenever I look to ministries that if I, if God is working in a church or ministry, prayer is going to be at the centre of it. You can't hide the real thing, right? It's no coincidence that the Brooklyn Tabernacle and the Times Square Church have had a heritage of success. And success, I'll use that small s, because prayer meeting is their priority. Prayer focus is their priority. But yes, they do also send and equip and all the rest of it. But their central part, prayer and praise and all of that's linked in. So again, just a wee preamble. Stephen's going to come as well in a few weeks' time. Now, we've had a, a, a wee bit of a season of change here. Sometimes, you know, we get really, sometimes a wee bit down when we think Robert Murdoch's away to pastor a church and we'll not see him as many times. And, you know, George Mitchell passed on to be with the Lord recently, you know, and then Michael's away to Tenerife for six weeks. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord's kingdom has everything we need in it. And it's just interesting, just recently, through, like I say, with Alan McBride, a couple of wee new connections, and let's just see what God does with that. Because there are already lots of people in God's church in our local area who are doing the right things and who are wanting the same things as what we wanted to see in the harvest field. Sound all right? Okay. Go. I'm sending you out. <laughs> so I'm coming towards the, the end of this year. I think it's, um, again, just in these conversations I've been having and praying about it. Reflecting on God's word. There's lots of people here in the towns and villages already. The harvest is plentiful. But God's reminding us in these days in Scotland, post-pandemic, to get out there. And to connect with people where they're at. In very simple and straightforward ways. Without the need for big events or fundraising campaigns or invitations. These things are not wrong. Reg here came to an event we organised years ago, and if it wasn't for his leafleting and advertising a Billy Graham evening, where Billy Graham wasn't here, but it was a video of Billy Graham, <laughs> Reg wouldn't have walked in that door. Alpha Course is an event type thing that you invite. Church is an event type. It's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's not to be the primary only thing that we do, because the model we're given is go, and go in relatively small numbers. Um, and notice there they've got 72 others. The Lord appointed 72. And he sent them two by two. Again, not large teams of people. We, we went prayer walking over the years, didn't we? It's something we, we should, you know, we'll think about. But one, one thing uh, Stephen mentioned to me was prayer walking, and I said, yeah, we did that for many, many years. And what he was saying was, see, even if you went out to the streets and were just walking and just kind of prayer, you know, not, not shouting prayers or whatever, but just prayerfully walking, and, and you were to bump into people, you might be surprised how rich a conversation you would have and how that kind of thing might lead to you saying, how would you like to have a wee, an alpha study or something, you know? And I thought, you know, I have had quite a few... I'm not talking about myself here, but I've noticed being out walking during lockdown and after lockdown, whenever I, I don't walk enough, but whenever I do, it's surprising the wee conversations you can have and people are hurting and they are struggling with life for now. The bills are rising. Jobs are a problem. They're stressed out with the COVID, you know? Go, go out there and talk to people. 
So could it be that it's something relatively straightforward that we maybe put a wee bit of thought behind, you know, but we just mobilise a little bit and we think about that during the day or something, right? I don't know. I'm not suggesting anything here. What I'm trying to do is just be obedient to what I believe the Lord's saying from the scriptures and what probably pretty sure he's saying to us as a group. How that actually works out, I don't know, right? Because we know we're doing the chat already in the coffee house. The challenge is what about all the people that don't come into the coffee house? Because what percentage of the people in Middlesbrough do not come into the coffee house? You know? So it's working in there. But what about there? <clears throat> and the scary answer to the question is the answer to the, pr the prayer is important. But then the immediate answer to the prayer is go, I'm sending you. <laughs> you know? And that's maybe the bit we just need to think about, you know? I was really challenged again. I don't mind sharing this with Cathy uh, here. But Cathy said, we're in the middle of a scheme and all the people are out there. And I thought to myself, that's really right. They are all out there. You know? They're all out there. You know? And... I just trust that you'll join with me in praying about this because it could be just something really simple and just finding really simple ways to speak to people who are not coming in here. Right? Excited? Are you excited about that? Yeah, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> let's, let's be honest, right? We wouldn't choose to do this of our own because we have our comfy lives, don't we? We all have. We've got enough stress with our job. We've got enough stress with our family. We've got enough stress with the 101 problems that we've got. That's the truth sometimes, isn't it? That stops us from going. But it's not, it shouldn't be an excuse. Could I, could I suggest to you that the Lord will bless you more when you do these things in a very simple way? Now, I'm not saying build lots of things into your life. Don't misread me. God doesn't want you to exhaust yourself, to my point earlier. But what are we doing in very simple ways to reach out of our own situation? And I speak to myself here and talk to the person that's really depressed out in the street. You know? So don't expect people to always come in. Try going out instead. Go and speak to people where they are, where they are, not where we are. In their meeting places, potentially, even if you're invited into their homes. Prayer is a key part of bringing in the harvest of lost souls in a, in a local village and town. And prayer is also a key in our relationship with God. And Jesus modelled that prayer in his own life, taking time aside to pray. We can say we're a small church in New Beginnings, only 60 people or so. And what can we do to reach everyone in Murraysburn? But we can see in this passage there was only 72 sent into the harvest field. But they were still asked to pray for multiplication. When the disciples were sent out by Jesus in the Great Commission, he spoke to 11. And he said, all authority is in heaven is, and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. So there was 11 there. And then we moved to Acts where Jesus says, I'm going to go, and he's raised from the dead, 
paid the price for our sins, went back to the Father, said you're going to receive God the Holy Spirit. And that's the context where he says to him, verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's close to home, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and he's sending them out. But he's saying, wait, you'll receive power. And you think, numbers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. It was a group numbering about 120. About the size of a relatively medium-sized church in Scotland, right? 120, not a big church, not a big group. Shortly afterwards, the day of Pentecost comes, the same group of 120 people are meeting and gathering there, led by the disciples. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice the words, all of them, okay? Not just the disciples, okay? Because sometimes the argument is, it's only for the early disciples and it's only for the apostles to have all of these wonderful things happening. That's not true. It's not according to the scripture. This promise is for you and everybody. Peter said to them, and your children and your children's children. The Holy Spirit and the commissioning and the authority, all these things are for everybody who believes in Jesus. Correct? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we have the eleven disciples, we have the total 120 believers meeting in prayer, receiving the Holy Spirit, all of them are filled. One man stands up filled with the Holy Spirit now and speaks the gospel, which is the power for salvation, the Holy Spirit descends and 3,000 people say yes to Jesus on that day. The groups just went from 120 to 3,000. What a huge harvest, Jesus said to them. Therefore go, and you shall receive power. So the key difference was that the authority is in Jesus' name and trusting in him. That's the only way you're going to get this authority, step one. Step two is the Holy Spirit brings the authority, brings the power so that it's God's, God's power that's speaking to people and challenging them. And that's when the multiplication happens, isn't it? I hope you're really excited about this. Church is not a numbers game, but it should attract numbers. But God will only bless a church that is humble and that is doing the right things and is genuinely showing compassion and love for the lost. But maybe some of what he's saying to us is, yeah, you, you've got the right heart. Just make a couple of wee adjustments and it's not complicated. Go, speak, share, see what happens. All of these things we're speaking about today happened in public places, out in the streets somewhere, you know. Become what you believe. Number one, look. Look out at this area, your own area. What a huge harvest. There's few workers. Two, we've all to pray as Christians on your knees and pray for harvest hands. So we do want more people to be saved and then there's more people to go into. It's tell others, isn't it? Has it not? They went from 120 to 3,000, so that's quite a good one, isn't it? 3,000 people now instead of 120. Go on. But that's the key point. They didn't just sit there. They went. And they went to other villages and they went to other towns nearby. 
they didn't just sit where they were. Once they were established where they were, they sent people out and they, they tended to send them in small numbers. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I do trust that you'd be pleased to just speak from your word and help us to become what we believe. And to be able to move through this process, Father, we thank you for the work that's already here. We thank you, Father, for the ways in which we have been sent into this harvest field in Moody'sburg where there's lots of lost souls and where you've shown us that it doesn't take many workers with lots of money to come in and see miracles happen and salvation come. You've shown us, but you're reminding us again, the harvest field's out there. Look, <coughs> pray. And Lord, I do pray today, and I pray this with all respect to everybody that's here and every mission that's happening. We don't want burnout. We don't want burnout. We want a send out. We don't want burnout. We want a send out. And in the send out, we want, Father, to see your pattern of salvation and multiplication so that the workers can multiply. But it happens with a, when, when there's a Pray, prayer and ascending. Go to the lost and confused people right here. Go, I am sending you out. So, Father, help us as we as we move on from this message today to only just hear what you're saying, Father, and not to overcomplicate it by overthinking things. We pray, Father, that you'll not you'll help us not to have any unnecessary burdens on ourselves. Help us not to overcomplicate what it might be that you're asking us to do. Because Jesus said, my yoke is light. Travel light. New Beginnings Church. Travel light. You are the current. Go. Speak. And see the salvation of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're just going to meet around the communion table for a short time and we're going to sing before we do that God forgave my sin